0: You're listening to a Toe Network production, putting heroes on trial because someone has to. I am Amit, and you are listening to Moonspeak. I'm a magical girl rookie and Sono Zivet, so prepare yourself to be enchanted as we delve deep into each act. And this episode, we're discussing Act 6, Tuxedo Mask.
1: Yeah, um, again, remember to keep supporting the official releases of the show so that we can get more uh, by watching every first and third Saturday on Hulu, Crunchyroll, uh, I think Viz, N- anywhere Nico else. Nico uh, Nico? Yeah, Nico Nico's doing it. Just anywhere that's releasing it legit, because that's where uh, is getting the numbers from. Okay, uh, kicking off episode six, I want to delve into the, uh, I want to make note of something that was really important to me. They made some changes to Moon Pride this week. Uh, Most specifically, I want to note kind of the biggest and most easily noticed change is the redesign of Queen Serenity. Uh, She's not a character we've actually encountered within the story yet. But we've been given a look at her in Moon Pride since episode one. She's always been there, but they've kind of been hiding her, oddly enough. Uh, this is the first look we've gotten at Serenity with her old character design, as opposed to the recolor. Uh, she's toward the end of Moon Pride. Previously, there was she's in a white dress. Um, previously, it was the uh, blonde, blue eyed, and it looked exactly like Usagi. This week she's been recolored back to her silver hair and eyes that she had uh, in her original design in previous incarnations. Uh, This is really exciting for me because Queen Serenity is one of my favorite characters in the story. So uh, I really didn't think the uh, Usagi recolor suited her at all, and I had no reason to believe it wasn't just a character design change. But now it seems as though they just kind of hid her behind Usagi for some reason that I don't really understand.
0: Okay, yeah, I was going to ask why you think they did that and then why they unveiled her now at this time?
1: Yeah, I mean, if they wanted to hide the fact that she looks like Usagi... That's a really this is a really awkward time to do it because we're not quite far enough in the story for that to be relevant yet. So I'm I'm really not sure why they chose to hide her entirely and why they chose to bring her to the forefront now.
0: Um. <laughs> my only uh, I've got like a smart ass question here is the analog to Mamaru going to have like a blue mustache or something like is that what differentiates them? <laughs> Um no, uh, Queen and serenity isn't to...
1: isn't an analog for Usagi. Oh, she's okay. not she's not Usagi, okay. which is why I found the whole thing so strange.
0: Yeah, and I guess that sets up, I mean as a new viewer, I, I, I interpreted it that way at least uh, it sets up kind of a weird not a parallel that doesn't exist. I guess um,
1: there is a there is a parallel. Queen Serenity is um, she is does play a role in Usagi's life. Um, I don't. Again, I don't want to say too much, but she isn't Usagi.
0: Okay. Hmm. Well, then I'm a little confused. But we'll have to see how it.
1: <laughs> um. It, it will. She will clear up who she is when uh, we do finally get to her. But yeah, no. Doing changing it at this point uh, makes it all really, really confusing. And if they had just used her original color scheme to begin with. Like, I wouldn't even have made a note of it here, and we wouldn't even be having this discussion, so I'm not sure of the choices they're making there.
0: Huh. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Huh. All right, well, uh, what's next?
1: Um, a lot of Mamoru's animation felt really stiff this episode. I don't know if it was to kind of set the tone of him being really serious about the silver crystal this episode, but a lot of it just felt kind of poorly done. He felt very, uh, very, like, kind of like he had a board taped to his back and to his arms.
0: Well, maybe he was just trying to keep his clothes from getting wrinkled. I don't know. Maybe.
1: Maybe. I mean, it probably costs a lot to get that thing dry cleaned.
0: <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, yeah, you know, once again, I didn't really notice that. But some things I just don't pick up in animation right, uh, very easily. Um, it's yeah. not that I'm... Not critical. Well, I guess I'm not a very critical person when it comes to animation. As long as I like the general animation style, I pretty much let everything pass unless it's really obvious. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, uh, I'm kind of trained for this. Uh, I, I went through art school and uh, kind of had all of these critiques placed on my work, so now I'm really aware of them.
0: Yeah, and I I think that's good. Um, It's good to bring in that discerning point of view, uh, because you're right, there can be a certain, I don't know, lack of authenticity or excitement that the viewer gets from seeing things just kind of be played out in the most bland, undynamic way, or static way possible. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of that's subconscious, but I don't know. I really, I don't think it affected me, um And it's possibly because, one, I didn't notice it that much, or even at a subconscious level, perhaps. And two, um, I think just kind of compared to me being a little disappointed last week, I thought there was a lot of great stuff in here besides him. Um And I'm a little disappointed, honestly, that, you know, by the preview, we're going to be getting more into him and his past next week. And I'm only disappointed because I can't have it now. You know what I'm yeah. saying?
1: Yeah, definitely, uh... The, this two-week gap really does, uh kind of does a number on things sometimes when you're really getting into the meat of the story.
0: Yeah, it does. Um, so, I, I know we, we've talked extensively about Usagi's the heart of the team and her kindness and all these positive attributes she has that aren't necessarily the most quote-unquote heroic um, are, like, what makes her so essential to them, but... I I think it was played out in an interesting way this week where it wasn't that they necessarily needed her to do something miraculous. She was just kind of off sulking, and Tuxedo Mask was able to comfort her and get her to go help out the rest of the girls um, and, like, help her embrace her role as leader. Uh And she just kind of happens to be really powerful. You know, she used the moon stick for that awesome moon healing escalation attack. Um, so, like... <laughs> I don't know. It's it's kind of dancing on the line to me of you know the Red Rangers the most powerful all the time just because they're red, um, <laughs> yeah. But but at the same time, uh, if the way the magic works in the show and, and it is see the, the way it seems to work, it's like based on emotions and feelings and like your heart. Um, since she is you know so naive and good natured, maybe that can be a reason why she is, you know, the most powerful or whatever. Or I mean, that's not even necessarily the case, but she's the linchpin for certain things because of who she is.
1: Yes. It it does have a lot to do with who she is and the fact that Usagi is really the center of things and that she's kind of got the biggest range of emotions. So she she kind of feels things more deeply than everyone else. And again, with the magic being powered kind of by how everyone feels and by how much they want to fight uh it really is the team really does need her to be able to step forward and really be willing to believe that she is strong and that she is a powerful part of the team and that she's needed and when Usagi feels that she can really kind of pull off miracles
0: And, I mean, not to be too redundant, but I think that's what kind of sets her role apart from other characters that have been cast with this type of um, quality or or property, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, it it really is, because Usagi does a lot of doubting herself, She's and she's going to keep doing it, because that's a natural part of being a person you doubt yourself you even when you know you're good at something you're gonna doubt sometimes that you're good at it and she always kind of pulls through of her own merit if people do she does have tuxedo mask encouraging her luna encouraging her the other girls encouraging her but it always is usagi that kind of is the one that decides to take the step forward
0: That's interesting, and uh, I know you have a lot to say about how she affects the other girls and how that relates or was shown in this episode.
1: Yeah, um, we see a lot of the girls interacting with each other outside of Usagi, and I, I think it's great that they're giving us those little moments. Um, like uh, when they were all walking to school, Ami and uh, Makoto are talking behind Usagi to each other while Usagi's thinking to herself, because without Usagi's role in their lives, Ami would have been terrified of Makoto, and Makoto would have thought Ami was kind of stuck up and cold, and the two of them never would have crossed paths. Mm. So you, you can really see how much in just these past few weeks Usagi has opened everyone up.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And, and I I scarcely noticed them like in the background talking, but that's really cool because it... Gives, without having to focus on them or uh, spend show time you know, focusing on them specifically interacting, you get to see that they do have a relationship without her. And that's, that's I mean, it, it drives home that point that you brought up.
1: Yeah, it, it was a very natural way of showing it. Um, and I like how this week we kind of brought in Usagi's, how Usagi's love is important to everyone else and how much she needs that in return. And I, I think that's also really important because a lot of, again, a lot of girls cast in Usagi's role in other series just kind of give it out and don't seem to need to receive it.
0: Yeah, and that's definitely less effective um, to watch. I mean, it, it can be fun in different ways, but I think the, not the edge necessarily, but what it says about Usagi and about everybody uh, is more interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um so uh zoocyte and Nephrite uh gender bending or gender swapping I meant to say, sorry. Um really should I delete that?
1: <laughs> um I mean you can start the line over Okay. Just yeah kinda cut it back.
0: Yeah, I'd rather not say that. Okay, so uh zoocyte and Nephrite gender swapping really adds to the mystique and power of women as well as Beryl being the commander of the Four Kings, which she explicitly states. Um, and I think it's really important and really cool for girls to see, because uh, I have a little one at home, and uh, she very excitedly talks about, you know, being a sailor scout and stuff. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, that, that warms my heart. That brings me back to when I was seven, because <laughs> that's all I talked about. Right. But, I mean, this, this really does, doesn't it? Anytime Zoocyte and Nephrite needed to be in a commanding, authoritative position whether it being uh, kind of the attendant of the princess or some kind of really knowledgeable person, they went and disguised themselves as women. Both in the Kingdom D ordeal and the TV studio, they could have easily been male figures, and no one would have thought anything of it, but they both chose to disguise themselves as women. And I think this may be because the two most powerful factions that we're dealing with, the Moon Kingdom and the Dark Kingdom are both matriarchal societies. Uh, But even so, the fact that Naoko is setting up heavily matriarchal societies and showing the effects of that on people's thought processes and what they do is really, really cool.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's all I could say. It is really cool. Uh, Let's see. Oh, well, you were going to talk about this, but uh, I'll say a little. Um, Watching her coming out of the, like... I don't know. Stormy clouds was pretty awesome, especially because she was coming to back up uh, Zosite, who just couldn't uh, handle them anymore.
1: Yeah, Beryl's descent into the battle itself was really great, and um, I'm not sure who's been doing Beryl's voice in Crystal, but she's had a really, she's been doing a really, really great job with uh, the voice nuance. And uh, the artists have been doing a, did a lot of great work with Beryl's expressions this episode. She had she was very, very smug, very cocky. Um, but also just very, uh, sure of herself and that she really didn't believe that anything, be it on her side or not, could overpower her.
0: Yeah, and I think, um, even showing her and how powerful she is and how, like, scary she is really, uh, you know, adds to the, to the whole atmosphere of it being. Of the show, you know, being surrounded by two powerful factions that are matriarchal societies like you talked about. And I just think it's... It's just so cool because there's no... There's... (laughs) I mean, in a lot of other shows, a lot of other media in general, it's just like, oh, it's the... It's the female, uh, you know, captain or guardian or not... man, Like, the female general of the villain. Like, they're no big deal. Like, yeah, they'll hold out at the end, but like, you know, the yellow or pink... Ranger will defeat them while the guys deal, like, three guys deal with the male second in command, or whatever. But, like, no, she's the boss of these guys, and she is a huge threat. Like, if Usagi hadn't been there, they definitely would have been dead.
1: Oh, yeah, no. Like, they, Beryl had complete control of the situation until Usagi walked in with the moonstick and was like, nope, we're done. Game over. And, I mean, I definitely get what you mean with, uh, again, drawing the comparison back to Super Sentai we haven't had a female commander since god back in the 90s i mean the, the closest we've had was, uh, was maji ranger where we had a, a female in charge of kind of the good guys but we saw right. a lot of dudes in charge of the bad guys over there we really haven't done a lot with female villains in the I, I, past ten years or so, and, and it's then, really depressing for me.
0: Like, uh, man, from GoBusters, what was her name again?
1: Oh God, Escape.
0: Escape, oh, yeah. Do
1: not even get me started. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's that's a topic for another show because I can go on about the the waste that Escape was and how how my high expectations and how they were dashed across the floor.
0: Ah yeah, Um, okay. Well then, moving on.
1: (laughs) Okay, um, the whole scene with Usagi and Tuxedo Mask, where she didn't know that he was aware she was Sailor Moon, is still really weird to me. And that scene goes back to the manga. Uh, I want to put that out there. Um, Wow. That how did she not know? Just last episode, he showed up at her house like, "You need to go fight some monsters." and get Sailor Jupiter. Like he showed up at her house. How do you not know, Usagi?
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess the only thing he didn't say was Sailor Moon, do it. Yeah, um, which he may have now that I think back on it. I don't know. Yeah, that's really weird. And that was in the manga, huh? Yes.
1: Yeah, I, I I went back and checked. That that goes back to the manga, so I really don't that's just that seems so odd that he's been talking to her as Usagi and she doesn't realize that he knows.
0: Right. Yeah, that is kind of bizarre. Huh. Alright, well, um, that's all the meteor stuff. Let's move into the frills? Yeah. Okay, so Dreams of the Moon Kingdom connecting Usagi and Mamoru is so cool. And, like, I I can't articulate how neat I think that is, and, like, maybe how romantic it is, and the fact that all the girls also get flashes of the Moon Kingdom and, like, that makes me think everybody's linked somehow in a a deeper way that's yet to be revealed, and I'm just so excited to see how it plays out. Um, But I'll stop so you can say actual... they they
1: are. Everyone (laughs) is linked. Everything goes back to the Moon Kingdom. I can't wait until we reach kind of the Moon Kingdom stuff. I really want to see how Crystal plays it because, again, this backstory stuff is some of my favorite stuff in Sailor Moon. As I've said for six episodes now, Um, and everything they've done so far has been really, really good with it, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how Crystal plays it. Um, We saw some prior Moon Kingdom stuff in the uh, full music video for Moon Pride a few weeks back. I've been waiting for a chance to bring that up, Um, and I really wonder if they're going to use some of that in uh, animation When we get to that backstory in Crystal, or if they're going to do different stuff, I'm not really sure. But uh, it's really, really great how they're using dreams and the point of view different people have in those dreams to tie Usagi and Mamoru's stories together. They're really doing, like, of everything, the Moon Kingdom stuff they're doing is top-notch. I'm so excited for Moon Kingdom stuff, and again, this this goes back to Serenity. Talking about Serenity uh, in the opening, really, really excited. Um, okay, but this this is something I just I noticed and that I want to make a point of. Are we we have Nefrite making a specific comment about? I'll get you, Sailor Jupiter, from her uh, beating him last week or last episode, and I'm wondering if they're going to tie this back to Jade having a specific focus on Ray. Um, since the two of them were dead by now in the manga, I'm wondering if Crystal's keeping everyone around to kind of set up a four-on-four between uh, Mercury, Mars, Jupiter, and Venus when we get to the end game, and kind of have a uh, Nephrite and Jupiter, Jadeite and Ray, the other two fighting the other two <laughs> in some combination. Right. It. it I'm wondering if they're setting that up because, again, uh, the uh Jadet's comment about Rey was in the manga, but Nephrite was dead by now, so he didn't have this comment about Jupiter, and I'm just curious.
0: Oh, well, that sounds awesome. That, I mean, because then, of course, that would leave Beryl and Usagi to go up against each other. Yes. And that would be pretty freaking awesome, especially because, um, like, it, I don't know, well, uh, the moonstick, like in those bumper scenes or like at the end of the episode, they show kind of like a different version of the moonstick where it's more like a stave than a wand. And um you know, Beryl has that staff. So I think it'd be cool to see like a I don't know, I feel so stupid, like an epic <laughs> like an epic magic battle going on between the two of them. Uh, this, um, I'm
1: so excited for where this is going. All right, I'm so cool. excited for this stuff. <laughs>
0: Uh, this is, uh, you know, regarding Usagi's, you know, miraculous return, um, but, like, she is so magical, and that's so, so cool and so fun to, to see.
1: She is, and, I mean, again, this is kind of a point of, of a thing magical girls do, and I think, again, this was all really brought in by Sailor Moon, um, this kind, this, and I think, uh, Cutie Honey also did this sort of thing, where there's kind of this moment of doubt and weakness, And they get kind of a little bit of a pep talk and then realize, I am strong, I can do this, and kind of throw themselves into battle with all of their power.
0: Uh, Okay, and let me see what's next. Oh, uh, so Mamoru isn't magical, or is he? It's kind of confusing to me.
1: No, Mamoru has no actual magic. He's he's very strong and he's very resourceful, which is really cool. I mean, he's still able to do things within a narrative completely led by magical power by every single other person around him, while not really having any himself. Um, it is set up within Sailor Moon. This is just kind of a kind of a metatextual law that only girls can be Sailor Senshi. And that's Naoko kind of laid that down um, when she was doing the manga. I actually remember uh, when in the the last season of the first series, uh, stars, I remember reading that she got upset that when they were doing uh, the first series, the starlights outside of transformation were actually physically male instead of uh, just cross dressing as they had in the manga because she felt, uh, Naoko felt that it kind of undermined that law.
0: Hmm. Okay, well, that's, I mean, I can understand her being upset about that, especially if that was her expressed desire. Uh, you know, it's funny though that he's, you know, not magical, but you know, guys jumping up on, uh, like, cranes, and (laughs) he's presented very, like, oh, man, this guy must have some sort of supernatural power, you know? Yeah,
1: I mean, he does, he's not uh, outright magical in the way that the girls are, but he does kind of have a lot of the same history as them, and he may have some kind of, like, dormant sort of strength magic that lets him do crazy jumping and all of that, but uh, he's he's not going to start pulling out, um attacks the way the girls do.
0: Okay, that's fair. I like just based on his aesthetic I I think it would be so cool if he was like a magician and could do little tricks.
1: I know uh in the first series he does pull one of the cats out of his top hat in one episode. <laughs>
0: that's hilarious. Like it'd be cool even if he just like well does he does he use a cane at all? Um he sort of I think...
1: does. The cane may have just been something from the first series that he had occasionally, because uh, I can't man, like, I can't remember like if he has a cane regularly or not.
0: Okay. Oh, uh, that would be
1: so great, though.
0: He, yeah, he like, did a lot
1: if... of weird like magician stuff in the first series. Uh, I can
0: imagine why. <laughs> it was
1: it was amazing. It, he was pretty ridiculous back then, back in <laughs> back in the nineties.
0: <laughs> well, weren't we all? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Usagi's comments to him uh, during during that exchange, though, were really powerful. Like, you can see that she does really feel weak because she can't, like, hurl lightning or fire. But she's still not really in the mindset that she can give up. Like, she knows she needs to kind of sit and figure this out and figure out her role because she doesn't feel like she should be the leader. But she definitely knows that she has to fight and that she wants to fight and just her line of i just have to try harder kind of hit me really hard
0: yeah and like i didn't connect 100% to it at first because i didn't realize she was talking about uh, like the raw power the others seem to have versus her um, but hearing you say that it does make a lot of sense that she would look at you know the intimidating you know fire and lightning powers of mars and jupiter and feel kind of daunted and like well maybe I shouldn't be the leader because I can't do that
1: yeah like she definitely she sees a lot of the great qualities in the others um, Ami being so smart Ray being kind of so perceptive Makoto being so strong I and mean, being like well why aren't they the leader they're clearly more cut out for it and but even so she does. she never wanted to give up and I think that's really great
0: Um, just a little tangent. I just noticed, um, rewatching the last episode that, uh, Makoto actually has, like, an antenna or lightning rod on her crown shoot up, and that's so cool.
1: She does. I love that. I love, uh, I love that they're really putting that outside of stock footage in Crystal, because that was really only kind of a stock footage attack thing, uh, in the first series. So I I like that they're kind of letting her keep her little lightning antenna, because I've always thought it was really cute. (laughs) And uh, getting to see Ami using offensive attacks during this fight with Zoysite was really, really cool. Um, Because, again, what we've seen of Ami has mostly been kind of defensive uh, guarding attacks, where she would kind of cloud the field. But she kind of made a giant water explosion at Zoysite, and it definitely implies that there's been stuff going on between episodes and the girls have definitely been steadily getting stronger
0: yeah i can definitely see that uh, let's see oh okay so uh, i talked about it, i mentioned it earlier but moon healing es- escalation is a wonderful um the idea of her power repelling such a powerful evil enemy with glowy love sparkles is so boss
1: um Moon Healing Escalation is a really great attack because, again, it's very much the spirit of Usagi. She's someone who heals. And that's, that's really what we've seen of her. Everything that was broken about the other three girls, she helped heal that. And this theme really does hold up in her attacks. And her power expels evil and protects good. It isn't meant to kill anyone or harm anyone or do this massive amount of damage. It just... Evil things are just gone, and I think that's great because a hero's number one job is always to protect. That's how I feel a hero should be set up. She, her, her job isn't to isn't to fight, and to to her job isn't to fight. Her job is to defend and protect, and I think that's a great uh, a really great way to set it up. Having her attacks do be healing attacks like that.
0: Uh yeah, I've recently uh like awakened to that understanding of what a hero that a hero should be more like that and like that it's so cool to see it <laughs> to see that, you know, I don't know, lived out or you know shown uh in Sailor Moon.
1: Yeah, to to really see it in action is great, especially with uh some of the heroes we've we've seen in the past year or so where that really <laughs> hasn't been the fo- where protecting really hasn't been the focus.
0: Right, right. Yes, enough said there. <laughs> I think
1: we all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think so. I'm not subtle. <laughs> but we caught a glimpse of Sailor V. I really like the implication that V's kind of been watching everyone from the shadows this whole time.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, especially because she has a white kitty cat with her. Yes! Yes! And- Um, it just made me think, oh, that's why she makes sense. Like, I was not expecting there to be another, I'm assuming, lunar cat, um, (laughs) or moon kingdom cat. Uh, and just to see that imagery, that, you know, that parallel, it it started to click, okay, I can understand why this might be. Like, I can't wait for a further explanation, and, like, I'm not even sure we'll get it next week or.
1: Uh, I don't, I don't think we're getting it, uh, in the next episode. I think the next episode is more with Uh I think it would be the episode after that, but I'm I'm not completely sure because this episode uh, completes the first volume of the manga, and that's the only one I happen to have on hand. So I forget okay. exactly how long it is before we uh, hit Sailor V. But um, logically, I think it would. I don't think it's next episode given the episode preview we saw, but I think logically right. it should be the one after that.
0: Yeah, but even if we had to wait like you know a while more, I would be okay with that because I can see just the the framework of a, like a well-constructed story with things that all connect together in a legitimate way as opposed to a forced manner so um I'm excited about that
1: yeah as, as I said the the whole sailor V story will come together and it's gonna be uh pretty good it uh it's really gonna kind of conclude the first part. Of the Dark Kingdom uh, kind of setting everything up, and then we're going to kind of move into the into the heavier-hitting parts of the story.
0: Uh, okay, I can't, I can't believe it gets... Well, I mean, I can believe it gets more heavy-hitting, but like to know that that's coming, uh, it feels pretty awesome because I've just enjoyed uh, these last, I guess, 12 weeks. What is this? So, like, three months of watching Sailor Moon?
1: Oh, wow, yeah.
0: It's, it's been pretty awesome.
1: It's it's hard to believe it's been that long already.
0: Yeah, it's been a full quarter of a year. That's it's crazy. <laughs> All right. Um well, I don't have anything left to say. Um so I think we should sign off now unless you have anything to add?
1: No, I think that's uh that's everything we've got for episode 6.
0: All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, thanks and for tuning in. If you uh if you would like to send in comments or mail, bring up points that we didn't address or stuff you'd like to hear us focus on, you can go ahead and send that in. Um, I'll have that email at the end of the episode in just a few short moments. And uh, I guess that's it. Goodbye. Yeah. See everyone. This has been Moonspeak, monthly discussion and review of Sailor Moon Crystal. Visit trialofheroes.wordpress.com to see text reviews every Monday after Crystal airs and hear new Moonspeak the Monday after that. Moonspeak is part of the Toe Network. Where you can find articles of commentary on pop culture and genre fandom, including our flagship show, Uncommon Cast RX. The opening and closing is a piano arrangement of the uh, new Sailor Moon Crystal song Moon Pride, played by Josh Agarado, whose work you can find at josh.agarado.net and also on YouTube. There's a lot of cool work there, so go ahead and check it out if you like the song.